You're listening to the podcast from King's Cross Church in Charleston, South Carolina. We're glad you're here. If you'd like to learn more about our church or want to know how to get involved, visit kingscross.org. We pray that as you listen, you experience the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We're going to start a new series in the book of Galatians today, so you can be turning there in the New Testament. Uh, it's towards the back of your Bible. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All right, this is the first one. If you need to remember that, it's General Electric Power Company. Um, that's how you remember that order if you grew up in church. And um, some of you got one of these on the way in. We have these little journals. Uh, they just have the scripture in them and then blank pages, but we're going to be in this series um, I forget how many weeks it is, nine or ten weeks, something like that. So if you want to grab one of these, there's some out there uh, on your way out. While you're turning there, um, let me just say a few things about being out for five weeks um, on sabbatical. One is I'm very thankful to Josh. Um, Josh, yeah, that's okay. Kristen's clapping. Kristen's clapping for you, Josh. Um, Josh is a, is a trusted uh, and faithful pastor and friend, uh, and I told him when I got back, um, now, some of you who have leadership positions know this, that when you're out, um, you spend most of the time thinking about what's probably going wrong while you're out. And so sometimes you just think, I'd rather just not be out. Um, and I didn't have one thought about being gone because Josh is just here and I know um, that he's got it. I'm thankful for our staff. Um, our staff is very mature and energetic and does their job with excellence. Um, and so it's nice just to, to come back and not, like, there's not a, you know, nobody's on a PIP and, like, nobody, uh, there's just no, I don't have to worry about any of that. Um, and so your staff, uh, and as a matter of fact, the staff grew um, while I was gone. We have an extra uh, intern now, so, um, so that's awesome. I'm thankful for you. Uh, attendance didn't drop off. Um, not that I think I'm the main attraction at King's Cross, but uh, attendance didn't drop off. Baptisms didn't stop. I had baptisms while I was out. The giving didn't drop off. Um, I didn't come back to fires. Like I said to Josh, is there anything that's happened that I need to know about? And he said, no. No, everything's good. Um, so I'm, I'm just thankful for that, uh, for you. And uh, I'm thankful that you gave me the time. Uh, I know we split it up a little bit. Um, so there's a couple weeks in the summer we're going to be doing some vision things. And um, But I, I feel... Um, mentally and emotionally rested. Um, I told somebody last week, I kind of feel like I used to feel in seminary when at the end of each semester you turned in the last paper. And then it was like, right? um, That's kind of how I feel. Like, it's like, Uh, so there's a weight to ministry that sometimes is just good to put down. Um, and I probably tried to carry it for too long before putting it down for a while. Um, so thank you. Uh, thank you for letting me do that. But um, I would much rather talk to you about God than me. Um, so let's look at Galatians. Uh, let's look at Galatians together. Paul's uh, letter to the churches in Galatia has been called by some the Emancipation Proclamation for Sinners. Emancipation Proclamation for Sinners. The first Two chapters are kind of biographical testimonies um, about Paul's experience of freedom in the gospel. The next two chapters are all about um, theology and kind of the theology of freedom. And then chapters 5 and 6 are about the ethics of or or the results of or applying the freedom that comes in the gospel to your life. He says it this way uh, in chapter 5, verse 1. 
For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And so that's the title of the series. It's the theme that we'll come back to again and again over the next several weeks. But the type of freedom that Paul is going to talk about, um, it's not a political freedom like you might associate with uh, one form of government or another, or, or individual rights and liberties. It's not that. It's not a legal freedom like you might think of um, not being incarcerated or under house arrest or indentured servitude or, or the evil that was chattel slavery. It's not even that type of freedom. And it's not personal freedom. He, he's, not, he's not talking about the kind of, um, of indulgent self-expressionism that characterizes our day so much where it's just, you know, you can do what you want, when you want, where you want, how you want. That, that's total free. He's not talking about that. It's much, much deeper than that. It's much more profound than that. It's much more important than those types of freedoms. It's a freedom that money can't buy, that Fame and influence won't enhance your experience of. There's no striving or planning or, or goals that you can check off that you've achieved that, that are going to, to help you get it. But it's a type of freedom that overcomes, that, that abides. It's a, it's a freedom that no disaster or disease or even death can take away from you. And it's a freedom, I suspect, that some of you already know. Some of you are already experiencing it, or you have experienced it uh, to one degree or another. And it may be one of the reasons why it's your joy to come into this place and worship every week. Because you're so thankful for the freedom that you walk in because of what God has done for you in Christ. But it is also a freedom that I know that some of you have never known. Or maybe you did, and it's been a long time since you walked in it. And no matter how much money you get or pleasure you experience or success that you achieve or how many goals you reach or how much weight you lose or how many prescriptions you fill or how many fresh starts you get, some of you know that you're not free. Or you know that there are parts of your life where you are, are not fully free. Not really. And I can say that and know that because I know I'm not. I, I, there are areas in my life where I have been set free by God's grace through faith in Christ, and yet I still act like, think like, feel like a slave to my old self, to my old heart, to my old temptations and anxieties and fears and doubts. And so I know what that is like. And if you would disagree with that, if you would say, that's not true for me, I, I walk in absolute freedom in every area of my life all the time, then you're a slave to pride and you need God to free you from that. So we're all in it together. It's just a matter of what our trajectory is and to what degree we're experiencing. And the good news for us that struggle with this is that Jesus has already done everything necessary for us to be free and for us to live like we actually are 
free. All we have to do is receive and rest in what Jesus has already done for us. But just like the believers in Galatia in 48 AD, we got to be reminded of that sometimes. We just need a a fresh reminder of these things. And so we're going to sit in the book of Galatians together for the next uh, several weeks and just kind of take a deep dive into um, how it is that the gospel frees us. And so we're going to read Galatians 1, 1 to 9. You can follow along. Uh, It'll be on the screen or if you picked up a, a journal or you have your Bible, it'll be in there. Galatians 1, 1 to 9. Paul, an apostle not from man or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. The two primary issues that have crept up in the churches in Galatia, which is uh, like the southern part of modern-day Turkey, that they are on display here in Paul's greeting. And so um, Paul and his mentor, who's a guy named Barnabas, had preached the gospel and planted churches and established leaders in this geographic region uh, in like AD 47, 48. It was their first missionary journey together. If you want to read about that, go back and read Acts 13 and 14. So Acts 13 and 14, the churches that he's writing to here are being planted. It's towards the end of AD 48. They're back home uh, in a city called Antioch, which is like Uh, North of Jerusalem, it's kind of near the coast in modern-day Syria. So that was home base for them. And so they were back. And what starts happening is word starts trickling back to them that after they left and planted these churches, there were some other people who came in and began attacking and undermining and throwing shade at Paul and Barnabas, um, primarily Paul, and at the message that they were preaching, the gospel that they had Taught. And so they attacked Paul's authority as an apostle and his motivations for preaching. And then they attack his message, the, the good news that he had preached about salvation being available to all people through faith in Christ and only through faith in Christ. Kind of like if over the last five weeks, the guys who had come in here while I was away said, Look, this dude Chip's not even qualified to be your pastor. And the only reason he is your pastor is because you guys clap clap him on the back and applaud him and he's kind of an ego trip for him and his motivations aren't really spiritual at all. It's just kind of of personal. And on top of that, he didn't even explain the gospel right to you. If you come to faith under his ministry, you're probably not even saved because you don't understand the gospel. This This is what has happened in Galatia after Paul and Barnabas went back to Antioch. Now, 
they're only about 15 years at the most removed from Jesus' resurrection and ascension. 15 years. And it's only been less than a year since Paul and Barnabas were there in Galatia. And so these, these things have happened very fast. I saw Paul writes this letter to them, and he's not so much defending himself as he is trying to make sure that these, these new Christians, these new churches, um, don't lose the freedom that they have so recently found through faith in Christ. You with me? So th- this is the, 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 the atmosphere, that this is the reason for uh, the letter. Now, to do that, he doesn't have any choice, but he has to address these ad hominem attacks that have come at him. He, he has to reply to that, and then he has to defend the gospel, and only then can he get to a place where he's going to apply those things to the Christians in Galatia. And so we can understand this, right? How many of us know someone who wants nothing to do with the church or with Bible or faith or anything spiritual or anything to do with God because they were betrayed by or abused by or lied to or deceived by some religious leader in the past. They trusted that person and then that person turned out to be a fraud and they are done. Or or how many of us know someone who as an, an adult has had to go back and kind of reconstruct their understanding of the gospel and salvation because the message they grew up hearing was twisted in in some way or another. We see this as pastors all the time at King's Cross. It's one of the reasons why, um, if you come to Starting Point this afternoon, one of our follow-up steps, if you want to become a member at King's Cross, is we sit down with you and we just talk about your testimony and the gospel. It's because we can't assume that we're on the same page about those things because some people grew up just hearing something totally different, and it can be painful, and it can be confusing. It can be very frustrating for people, and so Paul knows that, and he's, he's fighting for his people's joy, for their assurance of their salvation, for their freedom in the gospel by refusing to let them be taken captive by false teachers or false teachings. So this is how the book uh, lays out. Paul defends himself, uh, he defends the gospel, he reiterates the true gospel, and then he applies it to to the Galatians um, and to us. And he begins with himself. Verse 1 again. Paul, an apostle, not from men or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So these agitators that had come into the area were saying, Paul's not an apostle. But Paul wasn't one of the 12. And you remember Judas committed suicide and then they elected a replacement and, and they didn't pick Paul. But, but like Paul's, this dude's a fraud. And Paul basically says, they're right. Peter, James, and John, those dudes, they had nothing to do with me becoming an apostle. I was made an apostle by, and maybe you've heard of him, Jesus. <laughs> right? You can read about that in Acts chapter 9. Now you say, well, Paul's just being arrogant. No, no, he's not. Well, he's just boasting. No, he's not. He's just being honest. It's true. Go read Acts chapter 9. Paul's identity has been set free. It's the first thing that we pick out in the letter. His identity has been set free. He doesn't need to exaggerate his resume to get respect. 
just bump himself up one position. You know, well, they sent me out as a missionary. I'll just call myself an apostle. Who's going to know? I'm, you know, they don't even get Antioch's newsletter over here in Galatia. He doesn't need to one-up everyone in the room with a story that's a little better than the story they just told. You know, he, he doesn't need to constantly name drop at every party. He doesn't network at every event because he's just got to make sure that, right, he doesn't curate his Instagram feed to kind of artificially inflate his influence and likes. It kind of pumps himself up about how, no, but, but his identity is free from, he's not in bondage to other people's opinion of him. But he's also not ashamed or embarrassed by the truth of who he is. This is what happened to me. I was made an apostle by Jesus Christ and God the Father. His identity has been set free. Neither, he doesn't need to either pull himself down or lift himself up. And so the good news of the gospel is that if you're a Christian, you're a new creation. The old has died. The old you has died and you have been made alive as a new creation in Christ. You have been justified by faith. God has forgiven all of your sins, past, present, and future, by applying Jesus' righteousness to you and taking your sin and putting it on him on the cross to pay the penalty for it. You have been reconciled to God. Scripture says that once you were stranger to the covenant of God, you were an enemy of God. But now, by God's grace, through your faith in Christ, you've been adopted as a son and daughter of the king. You, have been, you are being sanctified. The Holy Spirit is working in you to make you more and more and more like Jesus. This is who you are if you're a Christian. That is your identity. But for many of us, we live in fear. People might find out who we used to be. People might find out the things that we used to do, the way that we used to live. We're constantly trying to justify ourselves, our actions, our intentions. We, we need to believe that we're a good person, and we need everyone around us to keep on believing we're a good person. And so we're constantly justifying ourselves and making excuses and build things up. And, right, we, we, we struggle to feel loved and accepted by God, to feel at peace spiritually because we've kind of fooled everybody else, but we know. And so we struggle in quiet places that we don't talk about. We get discouraged by patterns of sin, like things we hate. We don't want to do those things. But we just keep coming back to them again and again. That's an identity battle. I fight this all the time. Um, I struggle a lot with false guilt. It's an, uh, an identity thing. I, I'm kind of at my core a people pleaser, and I'll, I kind of act a lot like I'm not a people pleaser, but really I am. I, 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 I want to be seen and appreciated. I don't want people to be upset with me. And so we talk, you know, one of the things we want for everyone who calls King's Cross home is to grow in the gospel. This is a part of my life where I'm still growing in the gospel, where, where I'm learning from places like Paul's example here, how to walk more fully in the freedom that comes from an identity that's rooted in Christ and only in Christ. Keep going. Verse 3 to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you 
and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul, you, if, you, if you're reading the motivations behind Paul wants the believers in Galatia to experience what it's like to have a heart that's set free. Right? An identity set free, a heart that's been set free. He says, grace to you. May you receive from God that which you have not earned. Peace to you. May you have an abiding freedom from worry and fear and these things that so often plague our hearts and plague our minds. May you know that you have been delivered from, or some translations say rescued from, this present evil age. May you walk in the freedom of the knowledge that nothing in this world can ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus your Lord. God the Father willed it, he said. God the Son achieved it. And by grace through faith you have received it. He's just reminding them of the gospel, reminding us of the gospel, that if you believe the gospel is true, more than that, and sometimes this is a struggle for us, if you believe the gospel is true for you, and and some of us believe the gospel just applies to everybody else, right? God God was fed up when he got to me. He just hit his limit on forgiveness. If you believe the gospel is true for you, Paul says, your heart should be free, walking in grace and peace. And so when people accuse you of all kinds of things, when they call you a hypocrite because you don't perfectly embody Christianity and Jesus 24-7, when they scoff because at lunch you don't have the ability to answer definitively every spiritual question that went viral on TikTok that week, and like worse than that, when When it's not just people, when Satan accuses you, when this nags at your heart and nags at your spirit and hounds you and tries to convince you if you're really a Christian, if you're really a Christian, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't think that. You wouldn't want that. You wouldn't struggle long for that. Yeah, okay. That's why it's called grace. Because you're right. I'm not the type of person that deserves those things. That's a heart that understands grace. Who can bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who is raised. Is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us. You're right. Sometimes I don't act like Jesus. I don't know the answer to that question. Right? I don't know. But it's Grace. Consider Jesus' own words. John 14, 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. That's peace, man. An untroubled heart. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to have enough anxiety of its own. So look, a heart that's at peace, it doesn't mean... We just take whatever abuse people in the world throw at you. That, that, that's not peace. It's not detaching from culture and hiding yourself away somewhere. It, it, it's not going through life in a way that's passive and numb. That, that, that's not peace. Paul's not doing that. 
Right? Paul gets word back. He's writing to defend himself because he was called by Christ. And if people are attacking him, then they're attacking Christ. And, and he's writing to defend the gospel. So he's not disengaged, but his heart's free. And he, he's, I've got grace and peace. I want you to have grace and peace. I've been delivered from this present. I want you to be delivered from this. And so a heart that's set free by the gospel can be active without being controlling. Or it can be involved without being anxious. It can be passionate without being outraged and mean-spirited all the time because it's been delivered from anything that this present evil age, anything that this world is going to throw at it. In a few weeks when we get to chapter 6, Paul's going to say he's been crucified to the world. He's dead to it. He's been delivered from it. But he's freely living in it. His heart just isn't controlled by it. His heart's free. His identity set free, a heart set free. And lastly, in verses 6 and 9, Paul wants Christians to have a mind set free by the gospel. A mind set free. I am astonished. And if you go, uh, if you know your Bibles well, you may already know this. But if not, um, go this afternoon and just start with, the, uh, with Paul's letters. So starting like 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Just read like the first five or six verses of each letter. And Paul always opens up nicely, you know. I'm so thankful for your generosity. I've heard about this. I, I just, I love the way I see the Lord at work. And here, he, he just comes out with a right cross. I am astonished. I just barely got back to Antioch, and you fools are already off after another gospel. Like, what is the deal, you know? I'm astonished. You're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Then he kind of catches himself. Parchment is expensive. He can't erase it, and so he has to make this. Not that there is another one. This to be clear. Got to put a disclaimer on it. Well, they said Paul said there was another God. No, I'm not saying that. There's not another one, but right that there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, who does he mean? He means him and Barnabas and the missionary team that first came and preached the gospel to them. If we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you previously when we were there, let him be accursed. As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone, which I think implies that while they were there teaching the first time, he already had warned them of this. I don't think he means, as I said before in the sentence you just heard read, I think he's like, we talked about this when I was there. (laughs) And I told you If somebody comes telling you something other than you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, ignore them. So I told you this before. I'm going to say it to you again. If anyone preaches the gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. They are troubled by a distorted teaching of a distorted gospel. That's a battle that begins first in the mind. Or to know truth. Romans, Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome is... um, it's kind of like the full blossoming of the theological seeds that he plants in this very early letter to the churches in Galatia. And in it, he's going to say in chapter 10, faith comes through hearing. 
hearing the word of Christ. It comes to your mind. It's going to say in chapter 12, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So you cannot believe in your heart or confess with your mouth a faith that you don't understand in your mind or that you misunderstand in your mind. Why well, you say, well, I love the Lord. That's enough. Well, I, who's the Lord? What has he done? How do you know? What did he teach? Well, I don't know. I just love Jesus. That's enough for me. No. It's <laughs> a good place to start. Right? But, 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 but you, your mind has to be set free by the truth of the gospel. If you'd like to think more in depth about, well, what, 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 what would it look like? What would it sound like if there were a different distorted gospel? We just preached on this in our series through the Bible called The Story. Um, verses 6 through 9, we preached on at length last year. So if you go on the website, um, go to the sermon archive and pull up the story. On November 26th of last year, I preached a sermon called No Other Gospel. And the heart of that sermon was three kind of pervasive false gospels that we see in our age today right now. And so we're going to talk more as we work through the book about um, the distortion in particular that Paul was dealing with here um, in Galatia. But if you want to think, well, well, how would I be got caught captive by that? Um, if you haven't already heard that sermon, I would encourage you uh, to go back and, and listen to that or watch that, um, and, and maybe it'll bring some some clarity there. So for now, what I want you to see is that Paul is cautioning them and us against our minds being swayed by both false messages and false messengers. And so he says, you're drawn to this distorted gospel, which is no gospel at all. And you're influenced by these teachers who are probably great to listen to, but they may as well be cursed. And Paul wasn't a great speaker. They made fun of Paul. Paul was a great writer, great theologian, great missionary, great church planner. But Paul's public speaking ability evidently was pretty mediocre, if not bad. And so other people would come in and like, well, this guy's a much better preacher than Paul. And he's saying, look, yeah, okay, but they're cursed. And this is how our minds get taken captive, get put into bondage. So you hear a message about faith that seems very palatable to you. Or maybe you listen to a podcast or you read a book or somebody forwards you a little video and you watch it and you think, man, that doesn't confront me as much as this stuff that they're preaching about at King's Cross and these things my grow group's talking about. It's like uncomfortable to me and, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just an easier path. It just makes faith seem easier, you know. Maybe it puts you in control. Maybe it's actually... Harder than faith alone, but when you do the harder, you feel like you're in control. And so you really like that. It just says, you know, you need to do these six things. And you do those six things and you do them every day. And so, it, like, whatever the spin on the teaching of Jesus might be, you hear it and it seems shiny and new. And, and so you kind of lean in and your mind starts to be captured by these false gospels. Maybe you hear a messenger. It's just so compelling that you're drawn to them. You know, maybe they're just always so positive. You know, every time I listen to him, every time I listen to her, I just feel good. And, you know, uh, uh, maybe they're a really, really super gifted platform communicator. Just awesome. You just measure, like, uh, you know, man, he preached for an hour and 15 minutes. It seemed like 12 to me. Chip preaches for 35 minutes. It seemed like an hour and a half. Right? And they're just 
Or maybe they're super passionate. Maybe there's one or two issues for you that they talk about all the time. And because they talk about it all the time, it just resonates with you. And they, you know, whatever that issue might be for you, you just love it. Man, they talk, every time I tune in, you know, he's talking about this. And so what happens is the messenger becomes so charismatic and so engaging to you that it almost doesn't matter what they're saying. You just want to listen to it. You know, I, I could just listen to her read the phone book. Ben, that's not good. You know? So I, I, you understand? It's a battle in your mind. So when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, so mind and strength. When he says in John 8, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. He's reminding Christians, Jesus is, he's reminding his followers that there is more to faith than goosebumps and good friendships. That there's just, so yes, our hearts are made new. Praise God for that. Yes, that's the first thing we talked about, identity new. But also our minds are made new. So that Paul will write in his letter to the Ephesians, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. That's what the letter to the Galatians is about. It's a reminder that there's freedom found only through faith in Christ. A freedom that reshapes and roots our identity in him. A freedom that, that fills our hearts with a peace that the world doesn't understand. How are you walking through that? I don't understand why you're not concerned about this upcoming election. I don't, I don't get, you know, your, your, your dad's in hospice. I don't, I don't, how, because I've got a peace that you don't understand. I've got a peace I don't understand. All right, it's a freedom that tethers our mind to the truth of who Jesus is and what God has done for us in him. And if you're not a Christian yet, it is a freedom that we long for you to experience. Hope that you will keep coming back as we study this book together. We'd love to talk with you more about what it means to find freedom in the gospel. If you are a Christian already, then it is a freedom that we want to walk more fully in together. It's not one thing we experienced when I was eight years old at VBS at Grace Baptist. This is an ongoing walk to fully walk in the freedom that comes from the gospel. Let's pray. Father, those of us who, by your grace, have come to a place of saving faith in your Son, know that it's for freedom that you've set us free. But we struggle sometimes to not be in bondage to this world, to the flesh, to our fears and anxieties. We struggle to walk fully as adopted sons and daughters. Would you help us to do that more? Would you help us to be a church? Where people who are in bondage find freedom. In Christ's name, amen. My name's Josh. I'm the associate pastor here at King's Cross Church. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Take a moment to subscribe and you'll get each week's message automatically. We invite you to join us as we grow in the gospel, connect in community, and live on mission. May the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.